0: concerts sporting events conferences people are always on the move your home may be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.ca host still the best one is when homer turns into a country music star do you remember that one for each Welcome to 32 Thoughts, the podcast, Elliot Friedman, alongside yours truly, Jeff Merrick, presented as always by the all-new GMC-84 lineup. Elliot, we're going to get to the Gary Bettman Bill Daily Press Conference in a second, but park that, because going into the weekend in Las Vegas, we said one thing. This has been a very heavy season for all of us, on the ice, off the ice, your life, my life, everybody listening right now, their lives have been heavy. Mm-hmm. What the NHL needed was a fun one a celebration of the game, some goofiness, some highlights, a hungover Peter DeBoer. Did they get that?
1: You know, I enjoyed it. I like the skills a lot more than the game. I wish we were there. I I still haven't gotten over that really, but I enjoyed it. Like, I don't get people who hate tweet things. I'm going to watch the All-Star Weekend and I'm going to tweet how much I hate what I'm doing right now by watching the All-Star Weekend. I don't get that. If you don't like it, Go somewhere else. You know, I liked it. I thought it was fun.
0: Can I share something very personal on this podcast that I've never shared publicly before? What's that? You know what I really don't like? What's that? Olives. (laughs) So you know what I don't have in my refrigerator? Olives. Olives. Yeah. (laughs) Get the
1: message? (laughs) I don't like black licorice. You know what is not on my house? <laughs> Black licorice.
0: I'm with you. like I, I've told you this before. like my life got a whole lot better when I came to the realization, albeit later in my life, I went through a lot of pain before this, that not everything is for me, and not everything has to tickle me under the chin. and even and if it doesn't, doesn't mean that it should be removed <laughs> because I don't like it. I'm with you. I don't get people grousing about the All-Star game. <laughs> you don't like it, don't watch. Don't be part of it. It's not for you anyway.
1: There were things I really liked. I liked the uh, blackjack game on the strip. And the reason was, the reason I liked it was because it showed the skill of the players. All five players hit 21 initially. Mm -hmm. And it was because they're great shooters, right? Yeah. That's what I liked about that event. It just taught me that all the people on that stage, Pavelski, Matthews, Qadri, Stamkos, Brady Kachuk, sorry if I'm missing anyone. They're all really good shooters. They all did what they had to do to get 21 before Pavelski won it because as Craig Smith says, he wins everything. I really liked that one. You know who I also too, I, I, I turned to Kelly Rudy at one point, I think it was after the show on Saturday, Sebastian Aho. I don't think people realize
0: how good he is. Sebastian Ajo, who looks like he's about 11 Yes,
1: he definitely looks like he's 11 <laughs> And I'm working the Carolina-Toronto game on Monday night, so I'll be seeing him. But, you know, I watch him in those skill competitions and the accuracy shooting, things like that. He's so awesome. He's really good. I don't think people realize how good he is. The one in the Bellagio fountain, my constructive criticism of that was it needed to be shot a little differently. I think there needed to be more overhead shots or something like that so we could get a better of idea of what how it worked, what the distance was, some of the overall stuff. But but again, I, I liked it. Like I liked the skills more than I liked the game. Mm-hmm. I actually thought one of the games, and mm-hmm. now off the top I think it was the second one, was actually one of the best all-star games I've seen. And I thought the final was pretty good. I generally don't have a lot of time for the all-star game itself. I'll tell you something, too. This is probably bad for his image, but I don't really know much about Machine Gun Kelly. I liked his set. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, I went and I downloaded some of his music after.
0: Do buy you his buy his guy. nail polish? There's a new line of nail polish. Out. It's very important. You have, are we going to see some fresh nails on no, Monday? No, you There's will not Carolina see that. Email, but
1: I, you know, I thought his right. set was good. And you know, I'll tell you this. The other thing, too, is... The one thing I was disappointed about, and you can talk more about this, is there were rumors that Jack Eichel yes. was going to be part of the show. Yes. And
0: I spent the
1: whole skills competition, Jeff, waiting for it. Yep. And it unfortunately, it just didn't happen.
0: Yeah, I had talked to someone who had sort of intimated that that might happen and it's like all right just waiting like it it would it would have to be something like someone from the Vegas Golden Knights like Alex Petrangelo, says like oh i need help with something and calls someone from the back and Jack Eichel comes out you know first appearance in in the the jersey the uniform the whole deal and the place goes crazy would have been a real big nice found moment mm-hmm. but obviously to your point, it um it, it didn't happen. That would have been a good one to pop the crowd. I'll, I'll tell you what. This was one of the first all-star games that I saw where they tried deliberately to go for pro wrestling style pops. Like they looked for something that was going to pop the crowd, that was going to jazz the crowd. Even something as insignificant and tiny, although I loved it. I loved it every time one of them popped. Even going back to the styrofoam plates. Hmm. How much better was that? It's so much cooler. I know they tried all kinds of you know different ways and make it real fancy and tech like. And no, 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 the styrofoam plates. But it seemed as if this All Star Game or this All Star Weekend with the skills they tried to find areas to pop the crowd, and I really dug that. And as far as the games themselves,
1: hold on, hold on. So before we get to the games, yeah, we're a few minutes into the podcast, and we haven't mentioned Ziegler's yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we should. We should absolutely mention it because I thought it was great. I thought what Hughes tried was great. I thought what Kaprizov did was great. It wasn't on the same level, but Petrangelo bringing in the Vegas drummers, I, I thought all that stuff was was really good. And, you know, first of all, you know, I know people were upset that Zegers didn't win. Well, it's Vegas. The who house cares? always wins. Of course, they're going to fix it. So Petrangelo is going to win. I couldn't believe how much reaction there was to that. Hey, do you
0: know? Hang on, hang on. Spot quiz. Do you know yeah. who won that Anaheim-Buffalo game when Zegers and Milano did the little stunt?
1: Buffalo won that game.
0: If you ask most people, would they say Anaheim? You're
1: probably right. And Buffalo complained that goal was illegal too.
0: But here's the point. The point is no yeah. one remembers outside of Freaky U who won <laughs> that game All they remember is that moment, so I'm fine with it. Who cares? Like I thought, the nicest touch, the the move that he does is the one that you know a a ton of kids try to do now, and that's the Zorro. The first time I saw that,
1: by the way, was with Matthews Matthews in 2016 at the World Cup of Hockey.
0: Yes, same. That was the first thing that I saw. But that's the Zorro, and so he gets blindfolded, and that's a great touch, and it's a cool visual. And I mean, just what he's dressed up as, all of it worked. My kids, again, they're my they're my focus test hey, do you like this? Hey, TJ, do you like this? Brody, do you like this? And if they like it, then I go, okay, it's working.
1: You know, it's funny you say that. That's my
0: focus test.
1: It's funny you say that because I got a couple texts from people saying their kids were loving the skills.
0: Yes, my kids loved it, loved it. And if you're the NHL,
1: that's a win for you. From what I hear, um, the NHL has some reason to be worried about our young kids watching their games. And if... There are young kids looking at that and saying, that's cool. That's a win. And, and I got a few texts like that.
0: So that's what I do with Mikey. Here's the thing about games though. Here's the difference. Thankfully, my kids will watch entire games, but a lot of kids will just watch the highlights and the flashy stuff. And, th- and that's normal. And, no, and I right? get it. It's normal. Yeah. But you know, the concern about not watching the games is a legitimate one. Because I don't know how many kids watch the games versus they just watch the highlights the next day and think that. And you see it in minor hockey slash youth hockey all the time. Kids that just think that all the highlights they saw are the game. There's a whole lot of you know, what the kids will call boring stuff that happens in between the highlights that actually constitute the But not the
1: intermissions. They're very excited. Well, the
0: highlights, specifically the second intermission on hockey night on Saturday, it's (laughs) unparalleled, but no, that's my focus. That's like, honestly, that is my focus group. Do you guys like this? Yes, we do. Dad. Is this cool? Yeah. Do you want to go try it in the backyard rink? Yes, I do. That's my focus test. And they liked it. So listen to my further point of it's not all about me. It's not for me. If my kids dig it, then I think I'm with you. The NHL's on the right page and doing it.
1: Another thing about Ziggress, the blindfold. Well, it's a Zorro. Also, did you notice that Giroux and I think Matthews joked that they thought he could really see?
0: I have a hard time believing that he couldn't.
1: So this has happened before. We'll go back to the nineteen ninety-two NBA slam dunk championship. Yeah. Cedric Sabalos, who played for Phoenix at the time, did a dunk with a blindfold. Very well, I hope he can see how it is because I hope he don't hit that rim head first. I'm not believing this. Flying, here comes Sabalos. Yes! Oh. Hey, he
2: said that was for me. I'll take it. On the new up team.
0: <laughs> Cedric Sabalos dedicating that brilliant duck that finally got the crowd aroused to Magic Johnson and on that duck. Hey. Magic.
1: Now, I had thought initially it was D Brown, but when I Googled it, D Brown, the year before, covered up his eyes while he dunked. Yes. And then so...
0: I remember that. Yeah.
1: So, so Sabalos, the next year, took it one level further. He actually put a blindfold on and he dunked. And I remember the NBA players at the time, they were like, he could see. (laughs) They weren't buying it
0: at all. I wasn't buying it either. And here's why. Here's why, Elliot. What is the one thing that teams fear? Injuries, liability.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you're telling me you're going to blindfold Trevor Zegers and have him skate at the net. Really? This is your idea of a fun trick? Like, I'm sorry, I have a hard time. hey yeah, I have. A, I have a hard time believing that he couldn't see. But the thing is, it doesn't matter. Even if he wasn't blindfolded, it's still incredible. I see. I look at it this way. I
1: went to watch Spider-Man on Sunday. I took Max to go see Spider-Man. I know that the chances are that there aren't three Spider-Men across multiverses who somehow (laughs) end up on the same planet together. Sorry if I'm ruining this for anyone. But I choose to suspend disbelief and just enjoy it for what it is. I'm going to go that way with Zegras. And by the way, I, I just have to say, you know, Hughes. The Devils made the announcement while I was in the movie that he's in now in COVID protocol. Yep. I have to say one thing, Jeff. We are probably... I know people aren't going to like to hear this, but we are probably very lucky that players aren't going to the Olympics right now from All-Star.
0: Yeah, this weekend would have been a tough one. From Can you imagine sending players from Vegas to Beijing?
1: Now I think the protocols would have been different, Yeah, but... All you need is one case and it spreads.
0: A couple of points here. Um, we always look for coming out parties, players that, you know, get themselves on the map. Sure, they're popular in their local market, uh, but then they do something at the All-Star weekend uh, and all of a sudden they're in the, you know, the the national spotlight. That's got to be Jordan Cairo, doesn't it? Yes. Like this was a great, great weekend for Jordan Cairo. For anyone who's been, you know, paying attention, you know, the minute he steps on the ice for St. Louis, they become instantly quicker. Like, do you remember when he first started with the Blues, when they first finally called him up and he got his long stretch? The Blues were a very like, straight line, old school, almost like LA Kings in their Stanley Cup year, light tight team. And then Kyrie would step on the ice and he'd be like, like Marion Gabrick was with the Kings. Just like, who's the one guy who's just got a rocket attached to his back? And now everybody knows. Like, I'm happy for Kyrie. Now the secret is out, right? Yep. And you know, Spider-Man is Peter Parker, to your point. Now everybody knows about Jordan Kyrie.
1: Yeah, and I would just say that the player I was really happy for was Claude Giroux, who was the MVP.
0: Yeah. It's been a
1: hard year, hard year in Philadelphia. His wife was there. Uh, his son, Gavin, was there. You could tell that it was probably the most enjoyable weekend of the season for him. And I, I was happy to see him have it.
0: I'm sure he was very happy to hear your question on Hockey Night, too. Claude, Ron mentioned longest-serving captain in
1: Flyers history, a great honour. The question, though, is who's recruiting you this weekend? Is it Makar Kadri? Is it Bergeron? (laughs) Is it Huberto? Who's saying, hey, you know, Claude, if you decide to go, it would be great for you to be here. Uh, there's, there's not, there's none of that. Uh, I know I'm just here to enjoy the weekend. You know, I got, uh, uh, one of my son and, and my wife here and some friends and we're just enjoying the whole weekend and, uh, not thinking of that right now.
0: It's funny. I was watching that and I'm thinking Elliot's going to ask the question and you know, they're going down the line of everybody on the panel and it's getting to Elliot and I can see you with that smile and I know you're going to go for it. You got to ask the, uh, the, the, the trade question. Did you expect him to give you an answer?
1: I did because I saw that he'd been answering the question all weekend saying we still have a lot of time. Yeah. I got some interesting reaction about that. Like some people were like, that was terrible. Other people said that was very creative. I just figured that, you know, we had to find a way to ask the question. I didn't want to ask it the same way. I wanted to try to maybe have a little bit of fun with it. Mm -hmm. Um, He wasn't biting, which I understand. But I just didn't think we could not find a way to ask the question there. It just
0: would have looked terrible. You have to ask. And I want to get back to Philadelphia here in a second. So I want to talk about Daniel Briere. But the games themselves, we opened up by talking about people grousing about it. Here's how I look at these games. I'm curious how you do. Everything is about, everything in life really, not even just hockey, is all about managing your expectations, right? If you expect something to be, you know, at the Game 7 Stanley Cup final level, then, man, are you going to be disappointed with what you see at the All-Star Games? I go into this one. I'm curious what you think about this. I go into the All-Star Games themselves thinking one thing. I want to see the best beer league game I can see. Like, that is the best beer league hockey in the world, period. How do you look at the games? Because that's how I look at them.
1: I think All-Star Weekend is supposed to be fun. Do the fans have a good time? Do the sponsors have a good time? No, but
0: just the the, the games themselves, like the skills separate. The weekend is like the actual games part.
1: But the thing is, Jeff, like I, I gotta tell you, like I almost don't care about the results. I just want people to have a good
0: time. He's our one man cool in the gang, Elliot Friedman. Uh, celebrate, have a good time. Let's hit a pause. Come back and talk a little bit about Daniel Briere and his new role with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Want to get into the Arizona Coyotes situation and the Gary Bettmanville Daily Press Conference. All of this still to be debated, dissected, discussed on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. We're back in the morning. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is Welcome back to the podcast. Elliot, as we record, this news is breaking. Uh, Emily Kaplan and Jesse Rogers at ESPN. Uh, News breaking of the uh, firing of a longtime athletic trainer with the Rockford Ice Hogs. That's the AHL affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks, DJ Jones. Um, This was reported to the Hawks on October 27th of 2021. Um, And uh, Jones was terminated November 3rd, 2021.
1: Yeah, Jeff, it's brutal to hear. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. Uh, we talked at length about the Blackhawks and what happened last week. It's You just write out of things to say about it and them. It just seems to get worse and worse. The only thing here on any level that is in any way positive is that apparently the complaint was made the same day that Kyle Beach's interview with Rick Westhead aired. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, the person involved felt emboldened to come forward because of that. And you're happy to hear that. You're happy to hear that someone said, okay, I see what's happened here, and now I can come forward because of what this report did. Other than that, I don't know, Jeff. I mean, it's just all the news with the Blackhawks is bad. There's just nothing else to say about it. It's one bad story after another.
0: It is, and this is a team that, as we've been talking about it over the past, however many weeks, months, um, has been searching for a new general manager. And what we've seen, interestingly enough, is the Blackhawks essentially report on themselves, Elliot. We've interviewed Scott Mellonby. We've interviewed Eric Tolsky, We've interviewed Kyle Davidson. We've interviewed Peter Shirelli. First of all, before we get into some of the names, what do you make of this style of reporting on themselves? I
1: mean. The NFL does it. I don't know. Maybe the Blackhawks are trying to show some transparency. I don't know here. The NFL does it. Maybe that's what they're thinking, that we'll just do it like the NFL does. I don't know if this is going to catch on. I think there's another name potentially that's part of this group that's a bit out there. It's Jeff Greenberg, who's the assistant general manager of the Chicago Cubs. I think he's part of their list. Jamie Faulkner, who runs the business empire of the Blackhawks. Her husband is an executive vice president of the Cubs. So there's the connection there. I've heard he may be involved. You know, if you believe they have to go somewhere really different, he'd be different. And you take a look at the group that you've mentioned there, it's an eclectic group. There's no wider spectrum of Mm -hmm. people they've interviewed than what they've shown, but- Again, you know, I've talked about it in a couple of podcasts already. You know, they they put Ed Olchick on their search committee here for the new GM. I think they're going to have to bring him into the organization. You know, people in Chicago tell me that he's very popular there in the organization. The fans really like him. I think you need it. Not the GM, but in kind of hockey slash ambassador role. I don't know, Jeff. It's really tough to talk about them in any positive way.
0: Okay. Let's go back to Friday then, Elliot, and the Gary Bettman-Bill Daly press conference in Vegas.
2: If I may, uh, Commissioner, go back on the draft in Montreal. I understand you mentioned regarding the draft in uh, Montreal. Uh, can you share with us uh, how long does it take You know, to say, well, we're going to go in that city, and how many weeks or months do you need to to build a a new draft if if possible it's not something you can do in a couple of weeks if you're going to have fans in attendance we think the draft is an important event and we're hopeful that we can conduct it as we plan to in Montreal Uh, Steve Mayer has been a little preoccupied uh, right now but that's a discussion we're gonna have to have after all-star weekend internally my guess is we'd have to go virtual again I don't think oh no I think we might go somewhere else Mm -hmm. Chris? Chris Johnson. Well, you know, in, in that regard, just as a general ebb and flow of this, not surprisingly, a number of the Canadian clubs have asked about the possibility of playing their game somewhere else. That's how troublesome and, and devastating it is uh, for the clubs, and it's not something that anybody wants to do, and it's not something we're, we're actively encouraging, but it's something that if this continues much longer, we, we may have to let them consider.
1: When you describe it as devastating, I, th- I believe Ottawa has 11 home games in this window where there's, they're not allowed to have fans. I mean, do you have any particular concerns about their situation, just
2: losing that many? Games? Well, I mean, the, all the clubs that can't have full capacity are losing lots of money. I don't have, I don't have concerns about a club going out of business. You know, it's it's not unlike what we've been through for the last couple of years. You know, completing the 1920 season and then doing the 2021 20, season costs a lot of money. Okay, it, it is, I, I think, you know, not, not that, that when you're focusing on an owner's commitment is to his club, but on average, I don't know, we've lost $50 million of club maybe, you know, on some more, some less, and adding this for some clubs on top of it isn't great.
0: Coming away from that presser, it wasn't too hard to come away with the distinct feeling that there's a frustration at Canada. Like bet strongly feels about, you know, things like restriction on attendance and, you know, musing that Canadian teams have asked about playing elsewhere. You reported on uh, the Ottawa Senators, talked about the NHL draft in July, perhaps having to find another location. And in an interesting exchange, Bill Daly said it would probably go virtual, to which the commissioner said, no, we might move it. We might move it to another location. It seemed as if this was an opportunity that, um, that Gary Bettman had to really vent at Canada. Not the Canadian teams, but vent at Canada and the restrictions on attendance.
1: I meant to tell you this, but I forgot. I got a really angry call from someone last week who I would describe as a proud Canadian. And this was before this happened with Bettman and Daly. I think, Jeff, you and I have talked about this, that we're very similar We have COVID fatigue, you know, we see on the other side of the border with the U.S. right now, you might as well be in two different universes, right, with the way that, you know, we attack COVID right now. Mm -hmm. But you and I have both talked about that we keep a lot of our opinions to ourselves because we sympathize with the many of the medical professionals who are at their breaking points emotionally. And, you know, that's how we feel. We say, okay, you know what, these people have sacrificed a lot of their time and lives the last two years to be on the front lines. And at the very least, no matter how we feel, we can generally keep our mouths shut, right? Well, you know, I wrote, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, whenever it was about Justin Falk and his point, you know, I just said that there's a lot of players who feel what Falk verbalized. And I've also written several times and talked several times about how there are players who don't want to come to Canada right now. And this guy got really mad at me. And like I said, I think he's a very proud Canadian. He said that I am sick and tired of of hearing about this. He says, I don't agree with everything either that's going on in Canada, but we have a great country, and I would put our country up against any other country in the world, including the United States. I kind of forgot that that conversation had happened. And then as I was watching, you know, Batman talk, you know, I was kind of reminded about that conversation. Look, the commissioner there, he's voicing what his owners are saying. I do believe the most vocal owner behind the scenes has been Eugene Melnick in Ottawa. I don't think there's any doubt about that. From what I'm hearing, Melnick has been hugely frustrated by what's going on here the CEO of the Senators, Anthony LeBlanc, has you know done interviews where he's kind of talked about it. Bruce Garriott has really plugged in to the Senators. You've seen he's kind of written about it. There's not a lot of reading between the lines here. And like I said, I believe at the beginning of January, about the same time the Winnipeg Jets talked about playing in Saskatoon, the Ottawa Senators said, could we go to the States? And I just don't think at the end of the day, it was possible. I, I don't think it got that far. I think they kind of talked about it. But one of the things the league said to Winnipeg was, if you want to go to Saskatoon, you've got to pay any extra costs. I can't imagine that Ottawa was told any differently. So it didn't happen. But clearly, Batman is voicing what his owners in Canada are thinking about all these games that are getting played with zero capacity until the third week in February and not full capacity until the middle of March. And that's why he's doing it. And it's that simple. I did have some people say to me that they were rolling their eyes about all this stuff about Canada and then hearing that Arizona, what they're going to be potentially going to be playing in front of next year. And I don't think there was only one person who thought that too. But you know, what Bettman said was what his owners in Canada are thinking, mm-hmm. but they don't want to verbalize it. So he did it for them.
0: I don't think anybody was surprised at that. What did surprise me though, Elliot, was Gary Bettman saying that, you know, despite the fact that, you know, what was the number that you've reported about what each house is worth in both uh, Toronto, Ottawa, and I think Montreal? Is Toronto four million?
1: Toronto's three point five. Montreal is 2.3.
0: And Ottawa is in the neighborhood of, is it 700,000?
1: Ottawa is 650 plus, 655.
0: 655. So despite the fact that you know the NHL is walking away from all this money, and the Players Association as well, this is HRR, I'm a little bit surprised that Gary Bettman said that this wouldn't put a real dent in into the league's finances, and they're still trending around the five billion dollar mark. Did that one catch you as much as it did me and some other people?
1: No, because it just all the years I, I've dealt with him, I'm not surprised he would phrase it that way. By the way, you know who's doing blogs now? Who that? Richard Rodier. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) and you know, for those of you who are not familiar with Richard Rodier, you want to
0: go back to the the Nashville experience?
1: (laughs) Well, he, he worked with Jim Ball silly about trying to get a
0: team in Hamilton.
1: And later he worked for the players association. He's very smart. Oh yeah. Not everybody gets along with him. The league doesn't like him. And after he left the PA, there were people in the PA who didn't leave on good terms with him and him with them but do not underestimate his intelligence. He's writing blogs right now about what he sees as the future of the CBA and revenue in the NHL. And I can't personally validate the exact points he's making, but I've had some people tell me that do not underestimate his insight. And my dealings with him, I learned you do not underestimate his insight. His Twitter handle, if you're so inclined, is at NHLplayer123. One,
0: one more thing, Elliot, that I want to go over with you from the uh, the Bettman Daily press conference. Oh, and by the way, what did you make of the exchange between Bettman and Daly when they were talking about the draft? And Daly tried to say, we'd probably just do it virtual, and the commissioner said, nah, we'd move it.
1: <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I know people <laughs> who would go absolutely crazy yes, if you did that. Yes, I know. There are people who love to host the
0: draft. I just think that it's such a huge event.
1: Well, especially now that Montreal could have the number one overall
0: pick, right? All of a sudden, like, okay, whenever you make the decision, March, April, whenever, can you turn it around that quickly? All of the marketing, all of it? And I'm with you. Montreal may have the first overall pick, too. I don't know. I understand that the commissioner is upset. And to your point, the owners are upset as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know if i can i can see that one to me it's montreal or virtual i think i might be team daily on this one anyhow we shall see one other thing from that press conference i want to go over with you uh the arizona coyotes and asu there were a couple of things that i thought were interesting here you know the idea that you know in some of the modeling they did that they would actually come out better than they do now at gila river
2: We're not sure there's going to be material difference between their revenues at ASU than where they are at a level at Glendale. Uh, In fact, under one projection that we've done, we think they may do better.
1: Yeah, you know, I would like to see that because what that says to me is like, okay, so I heard a rumor that there was a model that they could, but the ticket price was really high. Yeah. So basically Arizona State put the plan together on the internet. It's a public university. They yeah. they have to do that. And basically what they said is that the original cost was $115 million. The updated cost is $134.7 million, which indicates the coyotes. And it says in there that the coyotes are responsible for the increased numbers. So it, it indicates the coyotes have to pay about $19.7 million.
0: This is for adding a structure um, adjacent to it or above it or wherever an arena upgrades to the cost of 20 million bucks.
1: What we haven't seen yet is the attendance. Like nobody yet to me has pushed back on the 3,200 number. Now, I have had some people tell me it could be higher, but people have told me they have seen information that said that that was a potential scenario. I mean, we'll see, you know, we don't know. So this vote's going to be on Thursday. Tempe, the city council, probably isn't going to vote on this till April. But basically what they say is there they've asked for three years to play there. And they've also said that the arena won't be ready for the Coyotes until December of next year. So you could have an Islander-like trip Mm -hmm. to start the season. Now, it's been suggested to me that potentially they could start playing there earlier, but that's one of the areas where the Players Association could step in over quality of player amenities. And, And I will say this too, Jeff. I've been talking to a lot of agents about this. And first of all, they hate the economics of it. But secondly, they want to see the players associations show some teeth on this issue. Like, I don't know what they can do. I I feel like I'm saying this every week. I don't know what they can do. But the agents and the players want the PA to show some teeth on this.
0: This is going to have to be after they decide who their leader is, however.
1: I think we're going to get some clarity on that. They're having; they're supposed to have an in-person agents meeting on April sixth in Toronto. Never mind that. Like while yeah. e- while even fear is there, I think they're saying we need to show some teeth on this now.
0: To the idea that they'd have to start on the road, going back to what we were just talking about here, and that Islanders-style trip to kick off the season. Bill Daly has talked about, you know, there are certain regulations that you know he has, you know, he's he's sure it can be sort of massaged or changed or postponed, however Bill Daly phrased it, in order to get something like this done. So that's still in their mind, I believe, Elliot, even though it says X, they can still do Y. There are some things that in their mind they can have massaged. One of the interesting questions here was, what does this do with revenue sharing? And Gary Bettman is quick to point out that.
2: There is no impact on revenue sharing because they already get the maximum. So that's not an issue.
0: But to me, the question is, should they be disqualified from revenue sharing? That's going to come up too. Like I spoke to one person from one team on Friday afternoon. You know, we were talking about, okay, what do you think the, the commissioner is going to say today? And it, it came around to the issue of Arizona. And he said, I can't believe that they're going to do this and we're all going to pay for it. They have to be removed from the revenue sharing pool if this happens.
1: We've talked a lot about how Batman on this podcast, the stuff he said about Canada was because of what his owners want. You think that they want to pay revenue share in Arizona while this is going on?
0: No chance. Yeah. No chance. So a few other things, uh, real quick, Winter Classic at Fenway, that was discussed. Carolina gets the uh, Stadium Series uh, game at Carter-Finley Stadium, the Panthers hosting All-Star, and the Global Series returns games in Czech Republic, Finland, Switzerland, and Does this not have Edmonton versus Ottawa written all over it for you, Elliot Friedman? Oh,
1: I got to think Nashville goes to
0: Switzerland. Uh, Nashville versus New Jersey. Or San Jose. Or San Jose. That's another good one too. Absolutely. Finland's got to be Dallas, Carolina.
1: Carolina, Dallas. I think that makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. By the way, I do apologize. I got some direct messages from fans in Czechia saying they prefer to be known as Czechia now and not the Czech Republic.
0: That is my fault? <laughs> <laughs> no, but
1: I tweeted it out. I was like. Um, here's the my problem. I did a grade three school project on Czechoslovakia, and it was still Czechoslovakia at the time. Yeah. so that is forever burnt in my mind. I'm still getting used to Czech Republic. Now I have to change it. So I
0: When you think Czechoslovakian hockey player, I think of Vladimir Zorilla. That comes to my mind right away. When I say Czechoslovakia and you think hockey player, is there one that comes to your mind? Peter Stasny. Well, I shouldn't. You know what? Stasny? No, but you know what? That's not right because
1: Peter Stasny is Slovak and he would probably identify as Slovak. So I will say I will go Milan Navi. Really? Yes. I remember him. And he played for the Capitals.
0: And he was good internationally, man. He was fantastic. He was outstanding. See, so I just go back. Very good. Player. I just go back to the '76 Canada Cup. Well, Zarilla. and even like stat, like stat. Well, Zarilla was was great.
1: Well, you picked Zarilla, so I couldn't. I, I had to do something else. <laughs> Remember, Dusan Pasek. Dusan Pasek. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was a good player. Like, they had good players, and you never saw those guys because they played Canada even less than the than the
0: Russians did. Jan Suchi. This is something for the really super old-school Czech fans that are listening right now. Jan Suci. I just want to get that name on the podcast. He was considered the Bobby Orr of European hockey. As far as skilled players, ask any Czech player. I can remember having like super long conversation. Oh, man, Bobby Holik. And I would talk about Jan Suci's dad would always tell him about Jan Suci. I just want to get the name out there when we're talking about great hockey players from the uh, the then Czechoslovakia. Jan Suci. What a rabbit hole we Jan have just Suchi, gone Jan Suci, baby. Jan Suci here on the podcast. Ah, uh, one more thing before we wrap things up. Uh, Daniel Briere, assistant to the general manager with the Philadelphia Flyers, and as I understand it, is probably going to be involved in part of the discussions touching everything the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher do from here on in true or false
1: true first of all I saw everybody's Dunder Mifflin Dwight Schrute memes and I did get a good laugh about them on Saturday (laughs) Anthony Sanfilippo was the first person to report it in Philly and uh we were expecting this to come it actually happened sooner than I thought I thought it might not happen until the end of the season but it obviously it comes now and um it's gonna be interesting there Philly's gonna make some big decisions you know, Ristolainen, obviously Giroux. By the way, when Giroux said, there's still time here, I think that says two things. First of all, I, I think he wanted to tone down the noise around him, which I completely understand. And secondly, you know, because his cap number is so big, 825, mm-hmm. you're probably going to have to wait to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right, a smoky break for our Thoughtline partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. With meats prepared and smoked in-house, it's no wonder why they're Canada's home for barbecue. Check them
0: out, and as Elliot always says... Try the ribs. Yes, their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone. And don't forget, Montana's has all-you-can-eat ribs every Wednesday.
1: Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montana's.ca for details.
0: You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple, and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. All right, Elliot, wrapping things up here. A couple of emails at 32thoughtsofsportsnet.ca. Let's go to beautiful part of Canada. That is Whistler, BC. JP submits this. Would it be a possibility to include a clause in a player contract that says if a player asks for a trade, his no trade clause is voided or it becomes open to a larger set amount of teams? It feels unfair that a player who demands a trade holds all the power on where he goes, and ultimately lowers the return for the team he plays for. The idea of if you ask for a trade, does that disqualify your list of no-trade teams? That's intriguing to me. Teams would
1: love it. Yes, uh, there's, would. there's no question about that. Teams absolutely would love it. I think that would have to be collectively bargained. Mm-hmm. For example, with Ryan Kessler in Vancouver, Mike Gillis certainly, and then later Jim Benning, Certainly did ask for more teams, but Kessler and his rep, Kurt Overhart, they said no. They kept it really tight. And I know this conversation comes up from time to time, but you'd have to have it collectively bargained or the player agree. Right now, they've got the hammer.
0: And there was a situation like this between Ottawa and Edmonton where Brian Murray had a trade for Danny Heatley, who had requested a trade, worked out with the Edmonton Oilers. And then Heatley said no. And I remember Murray wasn't exactly thrilled.
1: Jerome McGinla, they had a deal worked out with Boston, and he said, "No, I want to go to Pittsburgh." I want
0: to go to Pittsburgh, Matthew from Coleraine, I'm sending you this email because I'm wondering how the Las Vegas Golden Knights, with the comeback of Jack Eichel and Alec Martinez. Are going to fit under the salary cap, Psh, Matthew? We all have the same questions. <laughs> Riley Smith may be an obvious trade candidate, but who else? Keep up the good work. A real pleasure listening to you on the podcast. And Elliot, be nice with Jeff. That's the nicest touch. How about Elliot? Pay attention to Jeff. That might be a better touch. No, that's worse than being nice. Okay, very good. Uh, what do you make of that? How would, it's funny, you know. I had um, George McPhee on the uh, radio show last week and had to ask, knowing full well I wasn't going to get an answer, but. He essentially said, you know, the party line, we've heard Kelly McCrimmon say this as well, you know, when we made the trade, we had a plan already in our minds. We didn't make this trade and then say, now how are we going to do this? The only problem is nobody really knows. So how are they going to do this? I think it's
1: going to come down to when Eichel's ready to play. Like if you heard... Peter DeBoer this weekend, who, by the way, I love that he admitted he was hung (laughs) over because he certainly looked like it on the bench with his tie undone like that. So good. He said that he's not quite ready yet. The next thing is contact. Mm -hmm. So if you're Vegas, you're not going to do anything until you know that he's ready to play. And one thing we've seen now is that you think you're going to be okay and then someone gets hurt. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we've lost this guy for a little bit of time. We don't necessarily need to rush to do anything. So I think that's going to come down to how healthy they are and when he's ready. You know, right now they have to answer questions about is Alec Martinez being held out for salary cap reasons because hmm. everything they're doing yeah. is is under scrutiny, and DeBoer was asked that about the other day, and he had to deny it. The other thing I wanted to say about that Vegas situation is someone had told me that Braden McNabb got an extension last week, right? Yes, he did. And he's been a really good player for them since they took him in the expansion draft, but I had heard even he was worried that before he signed his extension that it might mean that he was going to be out because they were going to have to just simply trade
0: UFAs. Well, what's the thing that we've seen from the Vegas Golden Knights? Like, they're ruthless. Yes. Right? They're ruthless. We need this player, so that means we're saying goodbye to that player. Like, we've talked about, you know, the turnover, what it does to the room, all of that. I don't think that should surprise anybody to hear just about any of anyone in that room say, could it be me? Anybody. Why not? We've seen this is what Vegas does. Like, this is a—and good for them. Like, listen— Foley wants a cup. This is a ruthless pursuit of the Stanley Cup, period. That's what this owner wants, and he wants it now. Thank you very much. It shouldn't be a surprise at all. Great question. Uh, Matthew and JP, great question as well. Uh, we'll wrap on that one. Uh, another podcast coming up a little bit later on this week. Thanks so much for joining us today. I uh, hope you enjoyed All-Star Weekend, the skills, the games, the festivities, the hungover coaches, etc. So taking us out, uh, Elliot, a Swedish-born London-raised producer-turned-musician, who recently dropped his debut EP, Are You Living in the Real World? 21-year-old Oliver Malcolm has worked with some big names in the music industry, but over the last few years has moved to the other side of the glass. With his latest single, here's Oliver Malcolm with Rolling Stone on 32 Thoughts, the podcast.